is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Thursday, December 1st, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. A buster only working from my home in Bozeman, Montana. And I'm going to start with this. Elizabeth Hart sent us this tweet from at eHartTweets. I feel like he can come up with better names for Sarah and Taylor Studios than just their names. I'd like to suggest Abbott Audio and Schwink Soundstage, but I'm open to other suggestions too. Let's get creative. Uh, I'm gonna give you guys an opportunity to bring in Taylor Schwink, Sarah Abbott to name your own studios, but I think I've got winning choices. Uh, I've worked off and I think Elizabeth will like mine even better than hers. So we'll see. Uh, Taylor, what about you? What do you think? Well, I proclaimed my own one, Schwink Studios, just because of the alliteration. I also like Studio T for uh, for Taylor. Uh, you know that that works as well. Um, but Sarah, she's in Nebraska today, and I she's in the the podcasting dungeon. So that's not her everyday one. But I like to call this room she's in the podcasting dungeon. This is a hundred percent the dungeon because I mean they obviously can't see it because we're on an audio medium. But if you are from the Midwest and you have a basement, you know exactly what this looks like. No windows, just cozy and warm. So it is a dungeon, but it is, it's a cozy one. Yeah, I, I see, but Sarah, this is, a, this is an outlier situation, right? And you're normally back east, either in your apartment mm-hmm. or you're at uh, at Bristol. And so we got to come up with something more permanent than the dungeon, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Abbott Audio is great. I'm a sucker for a good alliteration, but Sarah Studios is also an alliteration. So, okay. you know, I'm stumped. I've got, here's my suggestion, and you guys can shoot this down. I'm feeling less confident after hearing you talk about my suggestions. Taylor, for you, I thought about the pulpit. You know, Ooh. you're the reverend. Ooh. You know? Working from uh, working from the pulpit is Taylor Schwenk. How does that Let's sound? Go. The podcasting pulpit. I love it. I love it. Oh, you like that? Yeah, Sarah? I like that. I love it. Yeah, I'm all in. Okay. Are you a writer buster? Do you write for a <laughs> Wordsmith. Uh, and then here for Sarah, here's what I got for you, uh, The Hanger, uh, which is a reference to Top Gun where you might find Miles Teller and you'll definitely find Sarah. <laughs> I love think? it. <laughs> so all working in. from The Hanger. All in, yes. The Hanger in the pulpit. Oh. I love it, dude. There, there we go. And, and Elizabeth, I want you to, you know, you can rebut mine. You can say, no, I reject those. But I, I appreciate the thought that you had on this. All right, the dam is about ready to break in the free agent market. Just uh, talking with agents the last 24 to 48 hours there, predicting that you're going to see a rash of deals coming up. Uh, Today, we'll talk with Paul Hibikides about which shortstop the Phillies are going to land. Sarah Langs will join us to dig into some numbers. Mariners manager Scott Service is going to join us to talk about the rule change that he thinks is going to have a big impact on his team and the game. But first, some news and notes. Jose Abreu agreed to a three-year deal with the Houston Astros. Three years, $58.5 million. There's a lot of interesting stuff about him going to Houston as opposed to, say, the Red Sox, who thought that uh, he was going to be their number one target for this offseason, or the Cleveland Guardians who were also involved in that conversation. The White Sox used some of that money, uh, savings from not signing Jose Abreu, they signed Mike Clevenger to a one-year $12 million deal. Carlos Santana signed a one-year $6.7 million deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Union Chief Tony Clark uh, received an extension of five years. This was kind of a surprise for me. I, I thought there was a chance that Tony Clark would want to move on and go someplace else and do something else. 
but he's going to be leading the union again for another five years. The Toronto Blue Jays hired Don Mattingly to be their bench coach uh, moving forward. He had told people that he wanted to stay in baseball after departing as manager of the Miami Marlins. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, this weekend is conference championship weekend in college football, and college football's final rankings will be announced Sunday, along with all the other bowl announcements for teams that didn't make the playoffs. You're going to get your final four. You're going to get all your bowls, and we're going to have you covered on ESPN's College Game Day podcast with Reese Davis and Pete Thamel. Uh, Always college football with Greg McElroy as well. We'll have you covered uh, with the Game Day podcast. We're going to do a show about 4 o'clock on Sunday, so that show is going to be up that evening. So check that out if you are interested in such things. The ESPN College Game Day podcast and always college football with Greg McElroy. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Scott Service is the manager of the Seattle Mariners for the past seven seasons. Last season was the best of those. The Mariners won 90 games and made the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. Uh, Scott, I'm curious. You guys had such a great season, but as you know, a lot of your peers, they won't watch the postseason once they're knocked out of it. What about you? Um, I was watching, (laughs) you know, you get, you get so tied into it and, um, there's nothing like postseason baseball. And it's been so long since, you know, the Mariners had been in the excitement, uh, not just around Seattle, but our whole fan base throughout the Pacific Northwest was just on on fire, but it was so jacked about it. And then, you know, obviously there's only one team that gets to go home happy. And when we got eliminated, you're, you're curious how it's going to play out and, you know, constantly thinking about how your team may have matched up against some other teams, but it was a huge season for us. We made a big step forward. Um, and we got a lot of good young players and we're looking forward to getting back out there in spring training. So I was talking with one of your peers this week who said that, uh, he's got a friend in the Phillies organization and he talked to him after game three of the world series, when they hit all those home runs, they had a two to one lead. Uh, and his friend said, so what do you think? And he goes, you guys aren't going to win another game because this is where the depth of that Houston pitching staff is going to take over. And sure enough, I mean, uh, were you kind of nodding your head as that, uh, that World Series played out? Because that was something you dealt with all year. It really, really was. You know, obviously Houston had a great, great season and, and very deep pitching staff, like you noted. And, uh, 
But the one thing about the, the playoffs is if you can get hot and the emotion and you've got to ride the momentum wave and watching what Philly was doing early on, I was like, oh, they're going to make this interesting. And certainly when they got the lead, but it's hard to keep hitting <laughs> when you got that kind of pitching your face in every night. So I uh, was not surprised the way it turned out. I, I did think it was a good series and, and Philadelphia played very well to, to, to get the couple wins that they got. All right, so what does Teoscar Hernandez bring to you guys? He, of course, one of the, the first big moves that any team has made during this offseason. Certainly he's got power, and we saw it on display in, in the playoff game up in Toronto. He had a couple home runs against us in the game. We were ultimately able to come back and win. But uh, he's got track record. He's been in the league. It's, it's big right-handed power. Uh, we're excited to have him. Um, I think, you know, looking at some of the, you know, improvements we want to make on our ball club, it's, it's trying to get more consistent offensively. And there's a number of different ways to do it, you know, and looking at, you know, maybe some of the spots we had uh, in our everyday lineup. I mean, he fits great for us. Um, getting a chance to talk to him. I know yeah, he's excited to join our group and you know, we're excited to have him. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Anytime you make trades, it's hard. <laughs> the one thing, you know, Jerry DePoto is not afraid to do is, is make a trade. And we've made a few of them since we've been here. And for the most part, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to win them all. And that's not the goal of a trade. I don't think is to win. it. it's just, how does this help our club at the, in the present moment or maybe in the future? And, you know, and hopefully it works out well for the other club. And I think that's, that's a good trade. That's why we've made a lot. Uh, we don't try to win everyone. We just try to look what can do to help our team and our organization down the road. Where do you envision uh, potentially hitting him in the lineup for you? In the middle, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, with, it's, I, I don't know. It depends how our, the rest of our offseason works out. It's probably going to be three, four, five, somewhere right in the middle. And, and it's, a, it's a bat that we desperately, you know, we need. We need production out of there. We got a lot of mileage. Certainly Julio Rodriguez had a great year last year, and he really took off, and we put him in the, in the leadoff spot. And I love having him hit at the top of the order. I think it's just when the lineup flips over, you know, having maybe your best hitter up there is, is it's really nice to have, and he can do so many things. So Teoscar fits in great really anywhere you put him, but it's probably going to be three, four, or five when it's all said and done. So you mentioned Julio. How do you see him growing uh, next year? What ways do you want to see him grow? Well, I, I think the biggest thing, the, the, knowing the league, knowing what to expect, knowing how to – I thought Julio did a really nice job of, you know, staying with his routine and his program throughout the season. And it took him a little while to figure it out. Like it does all young players. And we had some veterans around him that, that helped him out in that regard. But now having gone through it himself and understanding like the importance of taking care of your body and, and staying, you know, you know, he had a couple of injuries. Um, he missed some time, nothing too serious, but a couple of stints on the DL. Um, certainly when you lose your best player, it affects, you know, your entire team. So, understanding how to take care of his body maybe a little bit uh, differently or take the experiences he had last year and, and help him, you know, uh, stay on the field uh, even more than he has last year. But uh, I think it's just going to get better in the batter's box as well as he understands, you know, how different teams are, are pitching him, attacking him. Uh, the one thing about Julio and I think all great players, they can make adjustments rather quickly. We saw that from Julio and he did that at 21. So I, you got to believe he's got a chance to continue to get better before he's, he's not even into his prime or even close to it yet. You mentioned uh, other moves you might make this winter. For you, um, what's a priority? I just think, you know, looking at our team, I, because the key to our season last year was our, our pitching staff. You know, our starting pitching was very consistent when we, we put the long winning streak together and really played great there. And, 
you know, leading into the, the all-star break and then coming out of it, it was our starting pitching and our bullpen was really consistent all year long. So I feel really good about where we're at pitching wise. I just think offensively trying to get more consistent and maybe a little bit deeper lineup um, is what you're looking for there. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what that brings. There's a lot of different ways to do that. I think, you know, some teams maybe look out and say, okay, we're just going to plug this hole at a particular position. And we don't always look at it that way. I think, uh, you know, Jerry and, and Justin Holland are very creative in what they're trying to do to help our lineup. There's a lot of different ways to go about that. So, you know, they're on the phones constantly this time of year. We've got the winter meetings coming up. So there'll be a lot of activity yet. How are you starting the process? When do you think you'll really start the process of digging into the impact of these new rules against shifts, uh, pickoff throws to first base, et cetera? I think that process has already started. <laughs> so, you know, we go to the winter meetings and that's kind of the time all the managers, we have a meeting with people from the commissioner's office and we'll get the lowdown and, you know, all the ins and outs and how the rule rules will work, how they'll be implemented. Um, usually have uh, maybe an umpire or two in the room at the time. So you get a chance to, to ask some questions there, but not just me, but I, I know my counterparts, the other managers in the league are looking at it and trying to figure out ways to, you know, you got, you got to address the rules in a starting in spring training and it'll be a little bit of an adjustment period, but players make adjustments. I don't think they're going to be that, big uh, of rule change. And I do think they will help the game, uh, whether it's, it's speeding up the game, whether it's creating more action uh, for our fans and, and keep the game moving along. You're going to see the stolen base playing back into the game bigger than it ever has. I, I think you'll see batting average start to rise, you know, with, with the ban of the shifts and, and things like that. And of course the speed of the game, picking up the pace is, is critical to our game to keep young fans engaged. And I think we're going about it the right way. It's going to be, nobody's going to be really a fan of it early on, but, Nobody liked the the 10th inning ghost running rule, ghost runner rule a few years ago. Now everybody just accepts it and moves on down the road. So people, you know, nobody likes change, but everybody understands it's one of the things we have to do in our game to keep our fans engaged. And I'm all for it. Uh, And the pitch clock is one of those rules, as you know, I I think that is generally speaking aimed for the fans to try to, to get more action. You know, Theo Epstein was on the podcast a couple weeks ago and mentioned the four and a half minutes average between balls being put in play. But uh, for individual pitchers, and I know, you know, for you, it's not comfortable get, getting into specific names. Are there pitchers that you could see being helped by this and maybe uh, struggling to deal with it a little bit? Yeah, probably there's a few. I think every team's got those one or two relievers that like to take their time <laughs> in between pitches. Um, they have routines they go through. We have a couple of those guys as well, and it'll be a little bit of adjustment for them. I think uh, starting pitchers, I think it'll help. Get on the mound and go. You know, don't don't think it, trust your stuff. We just need more offense in our game. Uh, pitching has just dominated our game, and it's it's trending in a, in a, in a negative way. We, we need more action. We need more balls in play. Um, I think the shift rule is going to be huge in our game as well. Um, I know it's going to help a number of left-handed hitters around the league. We've got a couple on our team that I think will really benefit from it. Will you actively look at situations where you play two outfielders, essentially bring an outfielder into that short field spot that's been uh, uh, you know, occupied by infielders sometimes? I think you'll, you'll look at it um, if you've got the personnel to do it. Um, you know, I'm not going to take Julio Rodriguez and play him in short right field. <laughs> I'm going to keep him in center and let him run around. You have to look at, you have to look at the makeup uh, of your team and you have the player like, you know, we do have a few, uh, you know, utility type players that play infield and outfield for us. So if the situation called for it, it won't be just us. Every team is going to look at ways 
to, to, you know, how can we better help our pitching staff to create more outs? And you will see that. So um, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, will it really make that big of a effect or not? I also know that, you know, we had a few teams go four man outfield against us, which is no longer allowed. So I do think it's going to help offense, but teams will always try to find ways to, to kind of beat the system, so to speak. Among all the new rules, Scott, that uh, that uh, are going to be implemented in 2023, I think the one where there seems to be less certainty about the impact is the regulation on pickoff throws. What's yeah. your early sense on that and how much it'll impact the game, how much it might impact uh, base dealing? I think it's going to impact it a lot. And uh, you're just going to put a premium on that. And, you know, you may have the guys right now, they're maybe only stealing seven to 12, maybe 15 bases a year that, that they can run, but maybe they're not as aggressive as you'd like them to be and aggressive with their leads. You know, keep in mind the bases are going to be a little bit bigger and you know, the normal fans is out three inches. That's no big deal. It really is. <laughs> uh, and I think that the, the size of your leads, how aggressive you want to be with just like the, the average speed guy, you may take a few more chances there. And certainly once you work those leads a little bit bigger, working on getting back to the base, if you're safe a couple of times, they're probably not going to throw over a third time. So now you can get even a little bit more and, and be a little bit more aggressive. So it'll put a little bit more uh, you know, on the pitchers as far as you know delivering the ball quicker. I think you've seen that happen over the last 15 years, 20 years for sure. Uh, back in my day, it seems like the stolen base was much easier to get. People didn't pay as much attention. You know, the holding guys close. Now they do. But I think you'll see even more attention paid to it um, and how quick you're delivering the ball to home plate to give your catchers a chance. So I do think the stolen base is going to play in. Uh, I really do. Anybody in your lineup that comes to mind, uh, players you think might be uh, might be helped out by this? Uh, yeah, there's a few. Um, <laughs> I joke with uh, Eugenio Suarez all the time. Gino didn't get a stolen base last year, and he's always on me to get the stolen base. I said, Gino, they're changing the rule next year for you. So uh, Gino's going to be looking to get one this year for sure. But <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple guys that, uh, like I said, depending on game situation, you'll take a few more chances and uh, – you know, see if we can take advantage of it. But it's something you're going to have to work on in spring training and, and talk to guys about it. Last one for you. How closely do you follow all the machinations of the uh, of the winter, the hot stove, you know, the conversations around uh, the biggest free agents? Uh, I think you follow it very closely. It's it's what we do. And, you know, with all the, the outlets, the, the media outlets you have nowadays, whether it's, you know, it's on social media, it's, it's the MLB network, ESPN, everybody's tracking it. I think it's good for our game. Um, I think, you know, all of us get a little anxious. You want to see, you know, things happen a little bit quicker than sometimes they do, but it'll eventually play out. But I, I follow it closely, you know. What are we doing? What are teams in our division doing? The league doing, you know, what are the dollars going to look like with some of these guys? And, you know, the, the players, they should get taken care of. These are the, the, the best in the world at what they do. And it's really hard to get to free agency. Um, and when they get there, they want to cash in and they should. You know, they're the best players in the game. So, you know, we follow it pretty closely. Uh, again, like I said, the winter meeting is coming up here. There's always a lot of action there. Everybody's in one uh, location together and the conversations get a little crazy at times. But we haven't had the winter meetings in a couple of years. So um, there will be a lot going on this year for sure. Absolutely. All right, Scott, thanks for doing this. Sounds good, Buster. Take care. Thanks for having me. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? 
I know you're great because uh, the baseball news is about to break. I know you're probably filling some of your time watching uh, winter league ball. Uh, you're probably watching some of the World Cup. You're having fun watching other sports. But the baseball, it feels like that there's a tidal wave of stuff about to happen. Yes? I really hope so. It does feel like that. And I think back to the winter meetings back in 2019, the last time they were in person and they were the way they're going to be this coming week. A lot happened then. That's when Garrett Cole signed and it felt like we started to get kind of the domino effect after that. So I'm certainly hoping we get a similar outcome this time around. Yeah, and at some point, I'm going to send you a uh, an email asking you the number of right-handed relievers who are available in the marketplace because it feels like every year it grows exponentially. <laughs> like, and it's part of the reason why we know that there's going to be a tidal wave of moves because there's a there's a huge massive players who are unsigned. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we haven't seen all that much so far. Obviously, we'll talk about that. But yeah, I feel like you and I have gone back and forth about the number of relievers specifically over the last few off-seasons. It's very interesting to see the way those markets play out. All right. Jose Abreu signed with the Houston Astros earlier this week. Uh, To me, he's a perfect fit for the Astros in terms of what they need now. He's a run producer in the middle of their lineup. When you looked at their projected lineup, I think you – If you're Dusty Baker, you're keeping your top four from the postseason intact, maybe the top five, Kyle Tucker batting fifth. And then Jose Abreu naturally falls into that sixth spot that Yuli Gurriel used to be in. And, you know, run producer, great guy, great teammate, um, you know, not a a uh, budget-breaking price, $58.5 million for a guy who's been an MVP. I thought it was a great signing. I mean, as you said, really reliable player. You know, I remember those first few years when he was in Chicago, he was so consistent and the team was not great. And I remember being so excited in 2020 with the expanded playoff format that he finally got to the postseason with that team. So I'm excited for him to get to play on a contender, a team he's unlike one he's ever played on before. It's still shocking to think of the idea of Jose Reu in another uniform. He's such a Chicago White Sox to me, but I'm sure we'll get used to it by like April 3rd. I know RBI is an antiquated statistic in baseball because it relies on luck, uh, you know, around that hitter, you know, how many, uh, how often guys in front of him get on base. But I feel like this is a case that if, where if you're the Astros, you want that guy who's going to bat six to be an RBI guy. I'm putting that in air quotes because it does feel like that's a spot where you're going to have a ton of opportunities with runners on base. And he seems to be one of those old school guys who, you know, and I put DJ LeMahieu in that category too, where you feel like he's devoted to the idea of getting a runner in from third base. Definitely. And, you know, there's a stat I don't have it in front of me right now. But there's a stat about RBIs and opportunity, which I do think makes more sense than just looking at total RBIs. So how often when you have a chance to drive a guy in, do you? And he consistently, especially in those years where the White Sox were not very good, he would still be at the top of that. So that's a percentage. What percentage of the time are you getting guys in? As you're saying, the runner from third, the runner from second with less than two out. 
he is the type of guy who does drive those in. Again, yes, it is opportunity-based, but you know what? He's going to have a ton of opportunities, as you noted. So I think it's a great bet. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is four. So speaking of a brave, I have two lists where he ranks fourth. It's kind of fun that he's fourth on both of them. But in addition to, as you said, having this proclivity for RBIs, he also hits the ball really hard. And I don't think that's something that people normally think of with him. He was fourth in hard hit rate this season behind only Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez, now a teammate, and Kyle Schwarber. So the fact that he hit the ball hard more than 50% of the time. And again, the reason we care about hitting the ball hard is that in 2022, batters hit 488 and slugged 954 when they made hard contact. That's 95 plus. The other list that he's fourth on is expected batting average. So it's kind of related. Expected batting average is based on the quality of contact that you make. So based on the launch angle and exit velocity of every bad ball he had, plus real-world strikeouts, he was fourth behind only, again, Jordan, Freddie Freeman, Judd, and Aaron Judge. So those are two lists that are really good to be on. I also think for an aging slugger, it's really good to see that he is still hitting the ball hard and making contact that is putting him in a good spot there. Sarah, I just want to follow up real quick on that before Taylor calls out number two. Uh, it also, those numbers suggest to me that when, as we go into this new era in which there are regulations against defensive shifts and there can only be two guys on the left side of the infield for Abreu, those numbers suggest to me that he's going to be a guy who's going to benefit from that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, certainly the contact he was making was very positive. So when you take the defenders a little bit more out of the equation, that's probably going to go even better for him. Number two. Number two is 10. So Justin Berlander, we talked about last week being unanimous Cy Young. He's also the 10th pitcher to win a Cy Young award and then become a free agent. And I was thinking about this because we don't see that many Cy Youngs, of course, become free agents. We don't see this at his age, for sure. But the whole question is, speaking of those Houston Astros, is he going to change teams? Will he be a Dodger? Will he be on some other team? So of those nine prior Cy Young Award winners to be free agents, five of them changed teams as opposed to re-signing with the same team. Robbie Ray did it last year. Trevor Bauer did it the year before. Then we have Greg Maddox in 1992, Mark Davis in 1989, and Catfish Hunter in 1974. Number one. Number one is six. So looking at the same concept for uh, MVP award winners, Aaron Judge is the sixth MVP to become a free agent. So it's a lot less frequent with MVPs. Four of the prior five re-signed with the same team with Alex Rodriguez in 07 with the Yankees. Robin Yount in 1989 with the Brewers, Andre Dawson with the famous blank contract heading into 1987, 
with the Cubs and Joe Morgan in 76 with the Reds. The only free agent MVP to change teams was Barry Bonds, who went from the Pirates to, of course, the Giants in 1992. And the Giants have been the team that we've heard about sort of other than the Yankees to this point. A lot was made. We talked about that, of his trip out to the Bay Area in Thanksgiving week. So it's kind of an interesting potential parallel. But regardless, far less frequent for an MVP winner to become a free agent than a Cy Young Award winner. Yeah, and I think we're going to find out within uh, the next week what Aaron Judge wants. You know, does he want the the Yankee legacy uh, will the you know, or does he want the money that the Giants have? I, I, I tell you, I talked to agents this week who, who think the Yankees are not going to sign him. We'll see because at some point, you know, and their history with the Yankees is the Yankees are bloodless uh, in terms of their front office evaluation. You know, Brian Cashman will tell them move on from Alex Rodriguez, which he did when he opted out. Move on from Robinson Cano. Uh, the question is how far Hal Steinbrenner will chase him. And and uh, the conversation I've had Sarah this week with agents. I thought about this, and I'm curious about whether or not you agree, and I'm hitting you cold on this. Uh, I think that this is the first time in Yankees history that the player has more leverage over the team than the than the team has over the player. They moved on from Babe Ruth. They moved on from Joe DiMaggio. They moved on from Reggie Jackson. They told Derek Jeter when he was a free agent, go ahead and test the market, and they gave him less than what he half of what he asked for. In this case, it feels like Hal Steinbrenner's like, please sign with us. It does feel like it's a really different situation. And it gets back to that MVP thing, whether it won the award or not. This is the guy who hit 62 home runs. We've talked about how he was basically their entire offense in the second half. This is an, you know, this is a free agent, unlike one baseball has ever seen. And certainly that the Yankees have ever had to contend with trying to resign. So I do think the leverage is elsewhere. I also think the fact that, you know, he said, I'm going to play the season. I'm not taking an extension. Let's see what happens. And then what he ended up doing really affects that as well. It's just so different from so many other pre-agencies that we've seen in the recent and more distant past. All right, 60 seconds. Give me a team that you think is under the most pressure today in baseball to make a move. Well, I wonder if it is the Yankees, only because if they don't re-sign Judge, who are they going to be signing? I mean, I don't understand what that offense will look like on opening day. If he's not there, of course, they have young shortstop they could call up, but you're not going to pin the offense on him. So I just wonder how they will construct that. And because of all this narrative about Judge, I think about them. Yeah, I think the Yankees will be okay one way or the other. Even if they lose Judge, they're going to pivot hard to another star. Turner, Bogarts, I think would be at the top of their list. Uh, and I, so I think the team that's under the most pressure today is the Red Sox. Like the the way that fan base is reacting right now to the fact that they're not doing anything. And it looks like the Bogart situation is going to be like a carbon copy of what happened with uh, um, with John Lester, where the team made an offer that's going to maybe be half of what the player gets in the market, which is going to raise a lot of questions about what they're doing. But 
anyway. All right, Sarah, uh, thank you. And way to keep your composure is uh, my dog, Quinny, popped up on the Zoom screen. Oh, my gosh. She's so adorable. And I was just like, focus, focus. I have to focus. Thank you so much (laughs) for having me. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Jumping into the numbers. This is Hembo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Hembo is Paul Ambikidi. He's a researcher at ESPN. He has a lot of other titles, which we won't get into now. Uh, I'm sure his wife has other titles for him, which we definitely won't get into now. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I sent out uh, a tweet yesterday, Hembo, that uh, I'm hearing. I heard from an agent yesterday that the Phillies are definitely getting one of the elite shortstops in the marketplace that would mean carlos correa or trey turner or xander bogarts or dansby swanson there are four of them out there this agent thinks they're definitely going to sign one of them and it's going to be sooner rather than later which shortstop you as a phillies fan you want to see the phillies sign i want to see the phillies sign carlos correa but i'm most definitely in the minority i put out a twitter poll yesterday to poll my philadelphia brethren i asked correa Bogarts or Turner. I excluded Swanson for the sake of the poll. 77 came back and said Trey Turner. 13% said Xander Bogarts. Only 10% said Carlos Correa. But Buster, I'm going to tell you why those 90% of fans are wrong. Number one group. I mean, he's going to play next season at 28 years old. And if I'm going to sign a player to a significant size contract, the single most important data point is how many prime years am I getting? Um, Secondly, Amongst this group of players, I'm most confident that he's going to stay at shortstop the longest. He's been number one across baseball in defensive runs saved over the last five years at plus 50. It's a good range. It's a great arm. And when the range goes, I'm confident he can slide over to third base and become Manny Machado. And lastly, it's actually the hitting profile that I trust the most as well. Xander Bogarts has some really pronounced home road splits. He's obviously very much tailor-made his swing to hit in Fenway Park as well he should. But he's regularly outperformed his Babbitt, and I'd be a little bit worried about that as a player moves into his 30s. And in the case of Trey Turner, I mean, he's most definitely the best offensive player right now. We know he leads the league in hits over the last three years. But 77 of those are infield hits. Buster, I ain't paying for those infield hits that aren't going to be there in a couple years from now. He's so speed-reliant. Where it comes to Correa, 
hearing in the 93rd percentile last season in expected Woba, meaning his blend of contact quality and plate discipline was elite, like top of the food chain type stuff. So I view this as sort of a slam dunk. The best player in the market at this position is Carlos Correa. And I actually think he fit in just fine in Philadelphia because he's used to getting booed. Obviously, a lot of that is uh, put on by himself, but he's a tough cookie. It's a tough town. And I really, really like the fit, even though 90% of my brethren see it differently. He really is tough, and he's he's a very confident player. And I think that uh, in a vacuum, I would agree with you in terms of ranking the four, uh, you know, the best long-term investment. He might be the guy, although there is that question of his lower back and mm-hmm. how healthy he's going to be. He's list, missed a lot of games. The This is an interesting dynamic uh, that uh, is at play here, and I'm reading the marketplace right now, and if Judge stays with the Yankees, Okay, let's start with that premise. If Judge stays with the Yankees and the Yankees don't dive into the shortstop market, and I think they will if Judge were to leave, if they don't dive into the shortstop market, I feel like the Phillies are the one spot where if you're a free agent shortstop, if you're Trey Turner, if you're Carlos Correa, you kind of need the Phillies. Like we've heard that the, you know, the Twins want to keep Carlos Correa, but will they go to 270? Will they go to 300 million? I don't know. I think the Phillies are the place where if you're an agent, if you're Jeff Barry who represents Trey Turner, if you're Scott Boris who represents Carlos Correa, you need that Phillies spot. Does that make sense? It does. The number one uh, power player on the free agent market is Aaron Judge, and number two is Dave Dombrowski. We know that the Phillies have money to spend. We know that the Phillies have a need at shortstop. We know they have a willingness to spend, and an owner that right now is all about it. We also have the relationship between Dombrowski and Bogarts, the relationship between uh, Trey Turner and Bryce Harper, which could absolutely play a factor. The Phillies are going to hold the, uh, I think, a lot of the leverage here in some sense. What I don't know is if that'll be the first shoe to drop or not, because if the Phillies are comfortable, say, with two or three of these guys, I could e- easily imagine them uh, living in a world in which they just sort of try to wait this out, save themselves $20, $30, $40 million if they feel like they can settle for lack of a better term, on one of the other guys. But my expectation is yours. I think they probably move pretty quick. My guess is that Turner will be their guy. But if I were running the whole thing, Carlos Correa would be my guy. Yeah, and, and if I'm Jeff Barry, who represents Turner, I'm waiting to see what happens with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see if they sign Judge because they're going to need one of these guys if they don't sign Aaron Judge. And you know, and, and knowing Carlos's personality, you know, done a couple of E60s on him, this is total speculation on my part. I think that uh, in his world, like his first place is to be someplace, uh, his his preference is to be someplace where there's some attention. Like, mm. I, I think, you know, Carlos playing with the Minnesota Twins, with all due respect to the Twins, is a little bit like Robinson Cano going to the Mariners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you have that exactly right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so look, Carlos Correa was on the TBS set throughout the playoffs doing TV. He signed a short-term deal with the Twins for a reason because he wanted yep. another bite at the free agent apple. You're, Carlos Correa is going to run towards the brightest light. Like He's going to be the fly that runs towards the light. Philadelphia, obviously, is amongst the biggest markets, amongst those eligible to spend a bunch of money. The one team that you've not said that I've not said that might be worth saying is the San Francisco Giants, who I think have a lot of money in their reserves for Aaron Judge, and if they swing and miss on him, they could absolutely see them being a player in the shortstop market. Right, and the question is whether or not that would uh, fit Carlos's definition of, of uh, you know, the brightest lights. All right, so we're going to go – you sent me this concept, and I'm going to play along with you, although it's complicated, and, <laughs> and, and so I, I, I you know, just want to explain it. Uh, Hembo's thought was 
is that we were going to look at the free agent market through the prism of giving Christmas gifts and, and what you would give to people in your life uh, and, and applying that to available free agents. For example, you talked about what you would give your significant other and you you said, Hembo, like, look, this is the big splurge that you're going to do. And you mentioned $100. And my first thought when I saw that was like, I, I, I no, that's not a relationship I've been in. <laughs> $100 cap. Okay. What's up with that? All right, well, Taylor's laughing. Sarah's laughing. Everyone's laughing at me. Here's what we do. My wife and I uh, splurge on each other for, you know, Valentine's Day, for birthdays and, you know, things throughout the year. For Christmas, we do the best we can to keep it pretty tidy in that respect and spend, you know, all of, you know, generally speaking, the bonus money we get from ESPN on all of our friends and family. So what we usually do is keep a pretty tight budget when it comes to giving gifts to each other for Christmas. But obviously I can't get her nothing. I want to get her something pretty nice of high quality, a gift that keeps on giving for lack of a better term. And in this case, Buster, I'm giving my wife Brandon Nimmo. And in this case, my wife is actually the Toronto Blue Jays. Here's where I'm coming from. So over the last five years, since the start of the 2018 season, Brandon Nimmo owns a 388 on base percentage. That's a five-year sample size. Only Trout, Soto, Freeman, Harper, and Judge any better on base during that time. And I'm confident that he can stay at center field based upon his constantly improving metrics. And in the case of the Toronto Blue Jays, the fit is just obvious. Last year, they posted the lowest platoon advantage rate, 31% of any team in the last 40 years. They've got no left-handed punch in that lineup. They've already moved on from Teoscar Hernandez. I would be comfortable giving my wife, excuse me, the Toronto Blue Jays five years and something like uh, $110 to $120 million for Brandon Nimmo. What say you? Yep. I, I think that's a great call. Uh, and I think you match the team. I think that team has more need for a left-handed hitting center fielder than any other team. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if that's, that's where the, the Mets stick their elbows out and say, we're the richest team in baseball. This guy came up in our organization and we want to keep him. Mm. My uh, gift to a significant other would be Xander Bogarts. I'm fascinated by his free agency because as you know, the Red Sox in their contract talks with him in the spring offered him a one-year extension, which would have given him four years and $90 million. Uh, <laughs> Hembo, in talking with other teams and talking with agents, there's an expectation that Xander Bogart is going to do really well. And if he winds up getting a deal in the you know 150 to $180 million range, if I'm in the Red Sox leadership, I'm asking the question, wait a second, how did we value this player at 90 million, which would be, you know, a, about half of what he might get in free agency? It would be a tremendous mistake. Uh, it would it would bear that out, I think, by the Red Sox and how they handled those talks. What do you think? Not all, I, Buster, there is no front office right now that makes me scratch my head more than the Boston Red Sox. They've mangled the Xander Bogarts situation. They've mangled the Rafael Devers situation. They have previously mangled the John Lester situation. This Mookie is this Betts. is an org- Mookie Betts uh, previously way Boggs. I mean, this obviously a d- different time, a different place. But like, if we're just going to go through the list here, right? Not to mention the fact that they viewed Trevor Story as a nine-figure player. They viewed Tommy Pham as someone worth trading for in a contract year, and they for some reason traded for Eric Hosmer. Like, there is absolutely no connectivity between anything that they have done over the last year and a half or so. And I understand that right now that fan base is incensed. They have the right to be. It seems like their ownership cares a lot more about their soccer team uh, overseas than it does the Red Sox. They're acting like they're a mid-market team. Their, fan wants to see, their fans want to see them win. They're not doing anything right now that gives me good vibes. 
We got two minutes. Let's go two more gifts. Uh, you say if you're giving a gift to your Aunt Helen, which you mm. want to be respectful of the gift, a good gift, but you don't want to splurge, what would that be? Yeah, she's really hard to impress. I mean, she comes from money. There's a pretty significant size trust here, Buster, the, the origins of which are somewhat unclear. So you have to do a lot of research to make sure that you get this right. I am giving my Aunt Helen, Zach Eflin, and in this case, my Aunt Helen is the Baltimore Orioles. So Zach Eflin's going to pitch next season at 29. Over the last three years, he's made 41 starts. And in those, 225 strikeouts against 45 walks. That's a 5-to-1 ratio. And over that time, Buster, his FIP, his fielding independent pitching is about two-thirds of a run better than his ERA. That's because the Phillies' D stinks. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Orioles' defense is a lot better. I would be comfortable giving Zach Eflin something like three years and $45 million, expecting him to be about a number three starter for me. And if not, I know he can be a lights-out back end of the bullpen guy, which he showed at the back end of this season for the Phillies. Yeah, he could be his generation's Charlie Morton, I, I mm. think. He could he could absolutely step up. I think your numbers are right in line. I think it's a great pick. For me, it would be catcher Mike Zanino, knowing how he he's worked with the Tampa Bay pitching staff. I really like him as a player. You don't have to spend a ton of money. Uh, and then last is the gift that you would give at your office Christmas party. What would that be? <laughs> Buster, <laughs> now keep in mind, like this relationship is not great. The person that you drew, they have very questionable political views. You've overheard them question things that you've worn to work on a couple occasions. So you're not thrilled about this drawing, but you have to get the thing right because you're doing this as a group and you don't want to be made fun of. I am buying this annoying colleague of mine, Omar Narvaez. And th in this case, this annoying colleague of mine is the San Francisco Giants. Narvaez, I think, is a really underrated free agent right now. He's the number four pitch framer in baseball across the last three seasons. During that time, we've seen Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns thrive with him behind the dish. I think that has to count for something. He didn't hit at all last year, but he has been on balance about a league average hitter. I view it as a nice platoon option with Joey Bart. <laughs> and look, uh, obviously San Francisco Giants fans won't be thrilled if they, they sell you Omar Narvaez instead of Aaron Judge, but I actually view this guy as a really valuable, you know, potential year or two player for somebody. And who better than the San Francisco Giants? I got uh, Narvaez to the Giants for my annoying colleague. Nice. I got Zach Britton, uh, who could fit mm. on a number of different teams. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's a great pro. He's got na great natural movement on that sinker. And he has a reconstructed elbow. So that would be a guy that I think at a low price would wind up giving you great value. All right, Hembo, uh, thanks for doing this. Good to talk with you. And we'll talk to you sometime next week. Later, friends. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for Thursday. And Bleacher Tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. I'm going to throw a curveball at you, Buster. You bragged that you've been watching more World Cup than I have, which is uh, definitely oh, no. true. But what is your, like, what's your, what are your just general thoughts on the World Cup? Have you been enjoying it? Have you been enjoying watching Team USA? Are you going to watch the game on Saturday? What are your thoughts? Uh, I will absolutely watch the game on Saturday. I've been watching it uh, more than I expected to. I'm getting into it. The one thing I would say is that I kind of view the flopping in soccer a little bit like the pitcher who steps off the mound and want to actually throw the ball. It's like, can Ooh. we please move past this? What was the game the other day? You had Argentina. Uh, I can't remember who, uh, when Messi scored the, the, you know, the game-winning goal for Argentina, the mm -hmm. team they played. That game, the beginning of the game, it was like every time the ball was put in play, somebody flopped. And on the other hand, when the U.S. played uh, Iran the other day, there was no flopping early in that game. It was kind of cool. What would you think? 
Yeah, yeah, that that was definitely the ref let him play at the end, though. The Iranians were definitely I mean, they were just looking for any sort of call that could help him out. And there was a guy that he was on the ground yeah. for a while. He got up and started jogging around. I hate that. It's so annoying, but that's that's the culture. Yeah, it is annoying. It's like, can we please move on with the game? Because, mm-hmm. you know, like 70 percent of the time, it's a big show. Right. Yeah. It's oh, not yeah. Real. It's like, can please get up and let's keep playing the game. Sarah. I think my favorite part is when they flop so dramatically and then they don't get a call and they have to come up and then, then just carry on. Like that to me is hilarious. <laughs> like just, yeah. just hilarious. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing too is I, I saw a tweet where someone was saying, isn't it an art that you could flop really well that you could, uh, you know, you could actually draw a foul like oh, yeah. that. That's something that's re- that's really good. Mm-hmm. I, but I don't know. I I just find it to be kind of boring. It's like, come on, let's play. Let's keep going. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go to the tweets here. Reggie at Baseball Yoda Weather writes in Buster, which free agent signs first that breaks the dam and starts a run on major signings in this market? Aaron Judge, he's the top of the food chain. I, I think that uh, once Aaron Judge makes his decision, then that'll dictate what the loser in that bidding, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Yankees, uh, does next. You know, the Yankees are going to dive hard into the shortstop market if they don't sign Judge. I think that Xander Bogarts is going to be a guy that they're going to focus on, as I mentioned to Paul Amikides. Um, Yeah, I, I think he, he's there. And on the flip side, I've asked that question to agents, like which pitching domino uh, is the most important one now in dictating where the market goes Every person I've asked has come up back with the same name, and that is Jacob deGrom. Because not only does he, you know, his uh, situation, uh, you know, affect other free agents, but if the Mets don't sign him, then they'll go and do something else, and that'll affect other teams. I would say this. If I'm betting today, I think Justin Verlander is going to wind up with the Dodgers. Mm, Okay, okay. Our pal Mitchell at Tigers of Detroit writes, and where does Correa's bat rank in Major League Baseball? Is it top 25, top 50? If he were to move off of shortstop a couple years into a deal, how much would his value drop? I think when he's on the field, when he's not hurt, he's a top 25 player. He's phenomenal in terms of what he brings to the table. If you look at uh, weighted runs created plus for 2022, this is from Fangraphs. He's number one among all shortstops. The whole question with him is, I think, in terms of a long-term deal, how confident are you that he's going to be healthy during the course of that long contract? It is silly season, so let's get into a a silly hypothetical from Gregory Gosnell at Carl's Jr. 9982. He writes in, is there anything from the Premier League that could come to baseball, for example, loaning players to other teams for a stretch around young players could get playoff experience and teams get salary relief? I like the idea of loaning players out. That could be fun. That'll never happen. Yeah, Gregory, and and I do like the idea, you know, like if a team wants to tank, you know, relegating them to a, you know, to a lower level. Yeah. You wish that could be the case, but it's just not. Like the the horse went out the barn door uh, more than a century ago in terms of what baseball's financial structure is, and it's not going to change significantly. Still fun to muse about in the Bleacher Tweets. Yep. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. And we're going to be back on Monday because winter meetings are about to crack open and we anticipate uh, some news here. So this should be uh, a lot of fun over the coming days. Yep, Monday, and then after that, uh, next week, we'll we'll uh, we'll decide uh, on a day-to-day basis whether or not we're going to put out a podcast based on the news. So if there's big signings on Monday that we need to react to or Tuesday, then we'll have a podcast the following day. All right, that's it for today. My thanks to Scott Service, Sarah Hembo, Sarah and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, 
And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.